0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. Thank you so much for joining me today and as always I hope that everyone is well, everyone is peaceful and enjoying a few moments of beauty wherever you are in the world. And there comes a time in most people's lives where they reach a crossroads and alongside there also comes a change sometimes we are happy about it and sometimes life throws us amongst the whirlwind and the best that we can do is just ride the wave and you know accept the situation that we are in no matter what is happening around us if we gently accept ourselves we can gently accept the change that comes before us And on that note, in today's episode, I have the real pleasure of welcoming the rather lovely Colleen Ritchie Rosenblum, who is a former lawyer, Pilates teacher, and now a successful podcaster of the very famous, I think, show (laughs) Hot Flashes, or Hot Flashes even, I can never say that word, and Cool (laughs) Topics. Um, But I'm sure she'll correct me. Now, Colleen died nearly after giving birth to her first daughter. She had severe preeclampsia and was in ICU for a while. And this really was the pivot point, like she says, in putting her life in perspective. And today she's going to talk to us about her journey about the things that she's been through, and her ultimate success. So welcome to you, dear Colleen. I'm so sorry if I have pronounced that wrongly. No, thank you for having me. <laughs> I, think, I think it's
1: actually hot flushes there, and it's oh, hot it? flashes here. So that's probably the confusion, because I get that a lot. When I'm talking to anyone in England, they're like, no, it's hot
0: flushes. And I'm like, I know, but here, it's hot flashes. Yes, I think you actually, I think you're right. I think that's where it comes from because here it is, Hot Flushes. And when I looked again, I thought it says Hot Flashes. <laughs> um, <but laughs> I can't believe I've got that wrong, but it doesn't matter because you're going to tell us a little bit. Thank you so much for coming on today, Colleen. And it's a thank pleasure. Thank you for having Lisa, me. Having I'm excited and thank you. Yes, I'm excited too. So tell us a little bit about this really interesting life that you've had and all the things that you've done and where you are now. Do you want me to start at the beginning? (laughs) Yes, why not?
1: Okay. Um, So I I married my high school sweetheart. We'll start there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we both went to law school together and I think at the end of college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I originally was going to go for my PhD in uh, clinical psychology and my husband and I, my boyfriend at the time was like, you know what, let's go to law school. Uh, It's shorter and we can start our careers easier. So we both went to law school and as soon as I started practicing law, really in law school, I should say, I knew it wasn't the right career path for me. There was just, I found no great joy in it. Uh, I was doing an area of law called eminent domain, which is basically the taking of property from uh, parties to, to be given to the government. So it's not like I was doing a you know very fancy, flashy area of the law, but it just didn't seem my path, but I continued to do it until I got pregnant and mm-hmm. I worked up until I gave Birth three days. Uh, I worked up till three days before I gave birth. And the last month of, I gave birth just in the very beginning of my ninth month. So, the last month of my pregnancy, I started to notice, you know, I was 28 years old. I was young. I didn't know that much about symptoms other than, you know, you're pregnant and you can blame everything on pregnancy. But I started to feel like I was getting the flu and I started to notice that I was um, getting swollen, like retaining fluid. And I had only gained about 28 pounds. So it wasn't like I had gained a lot of weight, but I just had this terrible headache. And I felt like I was getting the flu. And I called my doctor's office. And the woman, the nurse who answered the phone, said, Well, be grateful. You're just starting to get this in your ninth month. And I said, OK, well, I believed her. I mean, she didn't put me through to the doctor, but she told me, You know, this is just normal. You're going to swell. Your ankles are going to swell. You're going to get headaches. I had never had a headache in the whole pregnancy. OK. Um, so it was uh, a Sunday night and I was unable to get out of bed because I was in such pain with my head. And uh, my husband said that, thank goodness. My husband said, that's it. We're calling the doctor. We happened to have her cell phone number. And I don't like to bother people. I'm in my twenties. I don't like to be you know, one bother people, certainly not on a Sunday night. And we called her and told her my symptoms. And she said, get in the car and get to the hospital. So we rushed to the hospital thinking, Oh, it's, this is practice for when we actually go into labor, you know, it's a month away. Look at us. We don't even have a suitcase. We're going to be fine. (laughs) And We get there and all of a sudden it was just like, things were happening so fast. Um, my mother had just left to go visit my sister. So she wasn't there. Um, They hooked me up to all these monitors, they started you know, what's strange is they started to talk about me in the room with me, which I was like, hello, I'm right here. Can you talk to me? Um, Mm -hmm. They started talking about my protein levels. And so all of a sudden we were going to have an immediate uh, emergency cesarean. And they said, you have severe preeclampsia bordering on eclampsia. And what I didn't realize at the time was I was having petty mall seizures on the table. So I was actually seizing. Oh, my goodness. And there's my poor husband. He has no clue what's going on. He's just, all he kept saying was, everything's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And I was like, yeah, you're going to be fine. I'm on the table. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be fine. So they said, we need to get the baby out. Your blood pressure, I think it was 156 over 129 at the time. Oh, my Um,
0: goodness.
1: We need to get the baby out. So then I was worried at the time I didn't know I was having a daughter, but then I was worried about the baby. So Mm. my, my kidneys started failing and they needed to rush me. Yeah. They needed to rush me into emergency. So as they were rushing to get me into surgery, my husband happened to go outside. I don't know if he had to, you know, just go outside for a minute and he overheard the nurses. They didn't know he was standing there and they said, we don't think she's going to make it through the night. So there's my poor husband having no clue what's going on and he hears that I could die like they didn't think I was going to make it. So he comes back in and he's the mantra, we're going to be okay, we're going to be okay. And I was like, I knew something was wrong because the look on his face, he had no blood in, you know, in his face or anything. Mm-hmm. But I, I was a little busy at the time, so I didn't really ask too much. Um, so they took my daughter out. Thank God she was fine um, because you know, four weeks early- she was screaming. So I knew her lungs were okay. But for some yeah. reason I, she was fine, but I was not kicking back from this. So I had turned jaundice. My kidneys started to fail. Uh, I was put in ICU and I remember, um, just not feeling right. It was almost like I was drifting.
0: Mm.
1: That's the only way I can describe it when people ask me what it felt like. It felt like I was just drifting away from things.
0: And, floating away from where you right, were. Exactly. Mm. I
1: remember, mm. I remember reading a book when I was very young. Um, and the person was passing away at the end and they said it was like they were in a boat and they were just drifting away on the boat. And that's how I liken it. Like, I just felt like I was drifting away. Um, and I started, what I didn't know is I was hemorrhaging. So the doctor said, listen, I can put you back. I can bring you back into surgery, but I don't know if you're going to make it through the surgery. We can do this here and you have a you know a better shot. So I was like, all right. So they Luckily, stopped me from hemorrhaging, but it took about three days to get my blood pressure down. Um, my daughter, thank goodness, was okay. She's 24 now. So it was back in a time where she was allowed to stay at the hospital while I was there. I was in um, the ICU for about three or four days, and I was at the hospital for a week. Um, it took them about four days to get my blood pressure back to some semblance of normalcy. It ended up, I had had fluid on the brain, which was causing the terrible headaches. I had to see a nephrologist for a year because my kidneys had to start functioning properly again. Um, and all of this. And this gone. happened
0: in, in such a short period of time.
1: Oh, I mean, we were laughing on the way to the hospital. Oh, what is it going to be like when we're actually in labor? Having no I mean, we're 28 years old. We didn't even know anything. I mean, we were kids. and um, yeah, so it was kind of like you grew up really fast. And you know you're trying to be joyful because you have this baby. And I didn't have the energy or the oomph to really like appreciate that time. So it was a scary, scary time. I feel really bad for any woman who goes through this. It was the kind of thing where we had said to the doctor, you know, we obviously were upset that it happened at all because it was misdiagnosed. Had the nurse told me to come in, none of this would have happened. Like they would have caught it, they would have taken me to the hospital, put me on bed rest, and they could have prevented most of it, if not delivered me early, so I hadn't gone through all that. Um, so that was frustrating. But thank goodness, about within a year, I was okay. And I, I ended up, because I was a lawyer, you would think I'd know about preeclampsia, but I had never heard of it, um, mm. that it usually only happens in the first pregnancy. So it's just a fluke. There's no rhyme or reason. But it just happens. So, you know, luckily, I managed to bring my daughter home in a week. But at that point, it put a lot of things in perspective for me because I could have not come home from the hospital. Yeah. And so things like, was I going to practice law? What was I going to... None of that stuff really was as gripping a decision for me as it was before. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm. So, And would you say that that was... The turning point in your life, one of the turning points in your life to change your life?
1: Definitely one of them. Definitely one. Um, I don't think I put as much of a significance. I was very driven. I was very uh, much a perfectionist. I hated feeling like I had let anybody down. I still don't enjoy that feeling. But um, I think it just kind of put things in perspective as far as what was important and my husband and my daughter and then my future daughter that's what was important everything else it was it was just it was going to be okay we'd figure that out
0: and how did your life Colleen change from that moment onwards
1: I really felt you know there are a lot of people that say oh I found my passion doing this I found my passion doing that I definitely didn't find my passion practicing law I did, however, find my passion in being a mom. Like when I saw my daughter and then my subsequent daughter, I knew that was the reason I was here, like to bring these two people into the world. I just knew it. So
0: I really wanted oh, to- Oh, that's so beautiful. I, I what did. What a beautiful I know... thing. Wow. Thank
1: you. It just was. I just knew. It. And I always said, how do you know you're in the right career? Or how do you know you're- this is...? And I just knew it. it was like, okay, these these people, I made people and this is my purpose. So I stayed home with both of them because I really wanted to enjoy every second. When they started school full time and they didn't quite need me as much, I said, well, I don't want to go back to the practice of law. And I didn't want to do something that made me unhappy, but also I didn't want them to see me do something that made me unhappy because they're watching everything you do, your children see everything Very
0: you true. do, Very true. you know?
1: So I was like, you know what, I, I'm a couch potato. I don't know what I want to do, but I know I want to get myself moving. So I started, I signed up for a Pilates class. I was like, I'll try, you know, it was a new studio. I'll try. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the mentality of it. The fact that it was a head to toe workout in an hour. And I think I really liked that I was taking time for myself, that this was just a time for me for this hour. So I decided I was going to study it because I'm geeky that way and I can't do anything halfway. If I'm going to
0: do <laughs> that something. That must be the lawyer.
1: That must be the lawyer. Exactly. You know. It a hundred percent. I love research. That is my mm. passion and it's followed me through the law Pilates and now podcaster. But so I went to school for it. And I, I often say it was harder than law school because I didn't have a husband, two kids, a mortgage, uh, life, but all that other stuff that I had to deal with in law school, like none of that was an issue. Now I had to juggle all of these things. So it took about a year to get certified. And I started teaching, and I loved it. I made friends. I noticed I was able to use the psychology that I had studied, because for a lot of women, this is their only time to just be alone, to turn the phone off, to not answer the phone for work, to not have to run to school, to not have to do It's just their time, and they want to talk. And they want to kind of get stuff off their chest while feeling good, because it's kind of a rush. When you work out, you get that feeling of a rush, like I'm doing something for myself. So I realized that it wasn't just about getting the exercise. Of course, that's important. Movement heals your body. But it was also about connecting on a psychological and personal level with a lot of my clients. And I'm still friends with most of my clients today. Um, so I did do you for- feel... sorry do you still do the pilates i do for myself i have a Mm -hmm. studio in my house Uh, i actually the first three or four years i worked at studios um i lived in south florida at the time and i would notice you'd work for a studio for a year and then they'd close down and then you'd move to another studio and they'd close down and then it just wasn't a practical business i guess to run from an A studio perspective. So I decided, well, then I'll just make a studio in my house where I don't have to pay rent and things like that. So for about eight years, I taught from my home studio and I loved it. I had consistent clients. I never had to advertise or do anything like that. And I had the same clients for years and years and years. And it wasn't until we moved to just outside Nashville, that I realized that I I call it the 12-year itch. I tend to get itchy to do something (laughs) different after 12 years. And I was like, you know what? I'm not getting what I was getting out of Pilates, and let's try something different. Um, So I was at lunch with a friend, a few friends of mine, and one of them had started a podcast about something totally different. Uh, And we were like, you know what? Let's look up some podcasts for midlife women. We're both 52. Let's see what is out there. And there's some really great podcasts out there. There really are, but they're very specific. So one might be only about menopause or one might only be about an empty nesting. We were like, no, we are multi-dimensional creatures. And we wanted to, if we're going to give podcasting a try, how hard could it be? Little did we know. Um, (laughs) uh, We're going to just talk about everything and anything for midlife women, because I believe that there is a demographic in this world of women from about forty-five to sixty-five, that people don't know what to do with. Um, it's the early generation Xers that we have. We're now living a lot longer, and people just don't know where to put us. You know, um, in, what so, so, in what way? In what way, Colleen? Well, you know, we're we're sandwiched between the baby boomers who fought for the rights of women and who are a very large demographic of the world. And then behind us are um, the, um, I, just, um, I just forgot their names. The It'll come to be brain fog, menopause, um, <laughs> the millennials. Thank you, I couldn't think of that. The okay. millennials, which very soon will be the biggest demographic in the world. And we're like this tiny little group of m- the middle child syndrome where you're kind of getting Uh, lost. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I I like to call it the Jan Brady. I read that in a book once, and I'm like, yeah, we are the Jan Brady. We're the middle. If anybody watches the Brady Bunch, they will get that reference. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we kind of get to define how we want this stage of life to go um, instead of letting the world define it for us, we're not, it's the middle of your life. It's not the end of your life. It's not the beginning. It's the middle. And you have another 30 years, hopefully on this planet. How do you want to spend them? Like, what do you want to do? And it changes.
0: Yeah, it changes. And this is the thing that, um, I find with a lot of people is that this fear of change and the fear of, really evolving into a new chapter of your life. So how can women embrace that change?
1: Well, we have discovered through just doing the podcast um, Mm. for the last eight months that there's a couple different things to think about. If you spend most of your time focusing on all the things you've already done, or what you feel you've lost as an empty nester or um, as your career is maybe winding down, then you're never going to get out of that stuck mode. You're never going to get unstuck because it's about looking forward, not being stuck in the past. So if you look forward and it seems overwhelming, take a baby step. Find something that you like to do. It can be so simple as taking a dance class or start hiking or make a new friend, but start that forward movement. It will reframe your reframe your thinking to look more forward to the future of your life because you have so much to offer this world. We have such experience and such knowledge and our y- young adult children are watching us how are we accepting this stage of life? Because the media wants to show you all the J-Los and say, you must look like this, Um, (laughs) which good for her. I I think that's thrilling, but she also has, they don't show the army of people behind her having her look that way.
0: It's another story altogether, isn't it? It really
1: is. Mm, And mm. the media, for some reason, ignores our demographic a lot in the media. Um, and society because they don't know what to do with us. So if they don't know what to do with us, we have to figure it out. And as overwhelming as that can be, it's taking that one first step because we have, you know, I talk a lot about freedoms that we have earned in midlife. And when you look at something as, well, they took away this, no, it's a freedom. You know, a lot of women talk about feeling invisible in midlife the invisible woman syndrome. It's actually not a syndrome, but that's what they call it. And if you look at it as I'm not the first person looked at when I walk in a room anymore, or people aren't hearing me, that can be a superpower. Because you can kind of fall under the radar and do anything you want to do without that fear of failure, because nobody's going to care. If you tried this job and it didn't work, or you tried, you drew on it for yourself now. It's all about what makes me happy? So it's a strange feeling for a lot of women. We spend so much time worrying about everyone else in our lives. And it's very unnatural to put yourself on the priority list, but it's kind of a time where it's okay to do it. You need to give yourself permission.
0: And do you think, Colleen, it's a different... much different to what it was, for example, for women of that age, maybe 30, 40 years ago. Sure. What what has made that, what is the shift in that?
1: that I think we're we're living a lot longer.
0: I mean, I Mm. think that's first off the
1: cultural lag. A lot of people will call it the cultural lag. In the early 1900s, we weren't living into our 80s and 90s. So it wasn't really an issue. We were kind of on that, people think of it as like the downward hill, like you reach your peak at 45, and it's just downhill. But now we're living longer and better lives, more importantly, a healthy lifespan. So what are you gonna do with that time? You didn't have that time before. You know, um, well, now you have to kind of blaze a trail to what you're gonna do. And it doesn't have to be huge things. You know, when you're in your 20s, you wanna change the world, and that's wonderful. And you can do that if that's what you wanna do. But if you just wanna change one thing, or you wanna start a garden, or you wanna just, go on traveling. Oh, traveling is great as an empty nester, not now because of coronavirus. But mm. before that, traveling was great, adventures. And I had a friend of mine who said, well, when I was about to be an empty nester, I'll give you a piece of advice, have something to look forward to. And I took her to heart and we planned on moving from Florida to Nashville. We were blessed to have my husband's career be a lot, you know, accommodating for him to do so. But we took a leap of faith. We knew no one here. We had no idea what we were gonna do. We took. We figured worst case scenario, we go back to Florida. And it was a great decision. So I thank her for that piece of advice because I took it and it worked out well.
0: Now, your podcast, tell us a little bit about that, Colleen, because this, I, I've looked, um, at quite a few episodes, and you have such um, interesting people on there with such good advice. What made you start a podcast? What actually gave you that inspiration to, again, do another chapter in your life that was completely different? How did you find the courage to do that?
1: Well, I think my prior experience as a lawyer and then as a Pilates instructor really helped me because the psychology of talking to people and kind of finding what makes them tick. I did a lot of that, believe it or not, as a Pilates instructor, and my research skills come from my law degree. So those combined made me kind of say, okay, this is an area where I feel like I'm being, Underappreciated in this demographic, I bet you a lot of other women do as well. And like I said before, I had looked at some podcasts that were I was so happy to listen to, but I wanted more. I wanted different. Like for example, last uh, two weeks ago we did an uh, episode on the increase of domestic violence during COVID. Then last week we did gut health. For women in midlife, which is a huge issue. We have so many women have digestive problems. This week we're doing sleep and sleep problems and how to help them. And then we might do a menopause episode. I have a woman coming on that uh, does the death dialogues. So we try to cover things. I kind of go like, what what do I want to know about? And then I take that and say, okay, let me learn as much as I can from as many people as I can to find a great conversation. Because sometimes my co-host Bridget and I will just have a conversation between the two of us. And sometimes we'll bring experts on. If we don't know the answer to something, because we don't claim to be experts, um, Mm. we will find someone who does.
0: And do you think that's what makes it unique in that sense and adds to the success of it? is that you bring this experience of your own life and what you've been through, you know, married together with experts. Absolutely,
1: I I hope that is, it seems to resonate. Um, We get great responses. We also really want women to feel like they are sitting at a table with us, whether drinking a glass of wine or having a cup of coffee and just chatting like you would, because a lot of women feel lonely in midlife, it's it can be a very lonely time. So we want them to feel like you're sitting here and you're convert, you're an integral part. So we're always saying, you know, we have a Facebook group with really uh, there's over five hundred members. We have a really engaged group of great women. Um, I'm always saying to them, what do you want to hear? Tell us what you want to know about because that's what I'm going to bring to you. Um, I'm always I love to ask questions. I just love finding out information and. And I think there's so, we are so, like I said before, multidimensional, because we have, we come with life experience. We come with, you know, some women chose to have children, some women didn't, some women chose to have huge careers. Some women were more into becoming an artist or humanities. Why? Like, I want to know why women, how they tick, what they're doing in midlife to make it their best life. And my partner is very similar in that respect. So we are very different. She's from Kentucky. I'm originally from New Jersey. So we have very different accents. But um, <laughs> I love so your be, accent. I have to say. <laughs> I think I love yours actually. See, I never <laughs> think I have one. Um, oh, you do. You do. <laughs> <laughs> That's and so it's funny. Lovely, oh. It's lovely actually. It's lovely thank you but you know i just and i have to say that we have learned so much doing this show we have met amazing women doing amazing things we made so many friends along the way uh, there's just a great group of women who are midlifers who are looking
0: for connection that are looking to feel like they're part of something and that is such a lovely thing you know to be able to feel part of something bigger Because it gives us a sort of, um, how can I say, it gives courage, doesn't it, to be part of a group that you feel that you belong to and that you don't feel forgotten. Because I know a lot of my clients that I have that are in the menopause or approaching the menopause are really, really, one of the things I wanted to ask you is they are very, very afraid Mm -hmm. and they lose their confidence and they feel... Suddenly they feel they can't do things, but it isn't isn't really that primarily, it is really a mindset. They feel that they shouldn't be doing it or they're too old to be doing it. But how how do you get over that? I mean, how can women get over that, you know, that total fear that I see in, in women of somehow losing their youth as well,
1: which is a big thing. Right. There's so, many, there's so many layers in that. Um, I would start by saying for a lot of women, menopause is, I like to call it puberty in reverse. So <laughs> you are going through a lot. It's true. You're going through a, a lot good, of hormones. It's a good analogy, actually. Yes. It's puberty. You're going through so many hormonal changes and it does play with your mind and it does cause anxiety and depression. And there are a lot of doctors out there that use the term just. It's just perimenopause. It's just menopause. No, it's not just. It's life-changing. It's temporary and you won't get over it, but give yourself a little grace in the process. Know your body, research things that if you have a question, don't let the doctor just say to you, it's just this. If he or she does not have an answer, then you find one because there are menopause specialists out there that do, and they will do Zoom conferences a lot of times. So- do the research. There are people out there, you just have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and, and be your best advocate. You do that for your children. And it's time you started
0: doing that for yourself, you know? Yeah. Uh, I I suppose it's adding value, isn't it? It, It's valuing yourself. Exactly. And I think,
1: you know, for women who kind of feel like they're losing their youth and they're losing again, feeling invisible, it's, it's a very, I, I empathize because it's a very hard challenge. But if you look at it, truthfully, there's always somebody more attractive, younger, uh, better physically fit. If you're in a competition that's, you're competing with yourself here because there's always gonna be somebody else who's a little bit more X, Y, and Z. So if you could start saying what intrinsically brings me happiness, not such external, because external changes. There's only so much Botox you can do. There's only so much Restylane you can stick. And if that makes you feel good, go for it, but do it for the right reasons. If it makes you feel good, not if it's trying to prolong your youth, or if you think you become more attractive to your spouse or to you know, more visible in the world. It's about making yourself happy. And it's a privilege and a freedom that we earn as we hit midlife to decide what makes us happy. Not what makes everyone else happy, but what makes us happy. And if you can kind of look forward as opposed to constantly back, it really, it's practice. It's retraining your brain that every time you go, oh, look, she's so much younger than, okay, stop refocus, but I'm going on a vacation to do this. Or my child, for example, my daughter's getting married. I have things to look forward to with that. It's it's really shifting the focus to the future and not staying stuck in a past that no longer exists
0: for you. That's key, isn't it, Colleen? It's uh, not being stuck in the past. And I think that people of all ages have this habit. And I think it's human nature that we Absolutely. somehow think somehow we train ourselves that the past was better and you know in some cases there are moments that were better than now but it's somewhere that we can't ever go back to and it's that transition that bridge Uh, I was talking to my friend and she's going through the menopause and um, the doctor is giving her some sort of drugs to take And I had uh, another client um, who was going through it and they were given drugs, but they became a bit despondent because nothing agreed with them and they were trying natural remedies, which is something I wanted to ask you about. Um, And the doctors obviously didn't really agree with that, but she actually sort of pursued it and it has helped her a lot. How do you... um, feel and view about taking things the natural way? I think it's so uh,
1: personal for each woman, so individual. Mm-hmm. We have had doctors on that are huge proponents of HRTs and bioidenticals, um, which are the bioidentical that come from a compound pharmacy that, that um, are similar to or identical to HRTs. And it's because it's so specific to each woman, they have to use they have to talk to their doctor about it. But I also think that it's a woman's choice. Um, there are some great natural supplements and there's some great research and resources out there. I mean, just in England if you look up menopause experts with Dee Gardner, she has a wealth of information. That both natural and like she doesn't choose one over the other. She gives you the information and she lets you choose. One of the freedoms that we have in our 40s and 50s is we're kind of, we kind of know ourselves better and we know what works for us. So if you decide to take HRTs and it takes a while to balance them out, my co host is on HRTs, bioidentical, she loves them. Um, I haven't. I'm in perimenopause, and I haven't reached the stage where I feel like it's necessary. I do take natural supplements. The hot flashes stink, but what you're gonna do? It's part of life. Um,
0: it's and I part just of life, think indeed. It's, it's, it,
1: it's yeah. I yeah. mean, it stinks. It's not certainly not something I look forward to. Night sweats are not fun. But there are things out there. Are so many things out there that can help with individual things. And we often say on the show, like we'll do an episode of menopause clothing that helps with night sweats and body temperature regulation, or we'll do a sleep issue to talk about you know, melatonin and some other natural things, ashwagandha for anxiety. Um, and I'm not a proponent of one or the other. I think it's an individual choice, but what I will say is don't suffer for the sake of suffering because there are options out there. Be your best advocate. You can go online, you do not have to leave the house. You can go online, type out your symptoms and keep looking and keep talking to people because we have in the States, there are about 30 clinics called midlife and menopause clinics, which, Mm. and I don't know if you have them in England, but they are. I don't
0: know. Actually, that would be an interesting thing um, to have a look, to research. Right. Exactly. And
1: I, there are, um, and you know, as I was saying for menopause experts, they have retreats all around Europe where it's just an afternoon where you meet other women going through the same things and you meet with a nurse practitioner. She may recommend natural or she may recommend HRT. They talk about the benefits of dark chocolate. I mean, come on, who doesn't want to go to a seminar that talks about chocolate, <laughs> um, you know? And it's just an afternoon, it's, it's community. When you feel alone in a journey, it's so much harder.
0: It is, it is. And the group itself can give so much uh, to each other. Oh, absolutely. So much support. And as we said, not to feel alone. And I think, firstly, the acceptance, isn't it? Firstly, it's the acceptance that, you know, that person is going through that. And it's the beginning of that. And that is a huge life change. And it's the acceptance. And once I think we accept a lot of things in our life, whatever that may be, then we can move forwards, can't we, in actually making a change. Because it's that, a, a lot of problems I think that we have, you know, me for sure, in some aspects of my life, you know, even, is sometimes we don't want to admit certain things. And when we don't want to admit it, I think we create a resistance to finding a solution to it so I think the first step is to find somebody maybe that you can talk to like you said and that there is always help out there isn't there it's not that someone is alone on this journey there are people out there who are specially trained to help absolutely and I think
1: you made two good points there number one with help I mean you could go on there's Facebook groups Menopause and perimenopause, and they'll talk about your symptoms and they'll give you. They're just, you know, it's just regular women going through the same thing. And the second thing that you said is acceptance because Mm. you, you can't move on from something until you accept that it's happening. And that's a hard thing to do with anything that's happening in life. But with menopause, as difficult as it is to accept that that chapter of your life is ending. I mean most women in our 50s don't want to have more kids. So it's not the, you know, oh now I can't have anymore. Well the question is did you really want to have any more? You know, that's but it's kind of saying, okay, now I get to travel easier. Now I'm not going to have PMS anymore. This is a temporary journey. Granted it can last for years. But there is an end of that and you have to accept that okay, that part of my life just like before I went before I started my cycles. This is now after I have my cycles and there's still a lot of years left and you don't have to worry about packing things and your, ske- your cycles, and are you going to get pregnant? I mean, all that stuff is now no longer a concern, but it's really hard when you are so focused on what you're missing out on, what you're losing and not look at what you're gaining. And that is all. I don't say that to say that's an easy thing to do. That is practice and making a choice every day to say, I am, grateful that I don't have my period anymore, or I am i can't say that yet, but I'm getting there. Um, you, yeah. And then you reach a point where you're just jealous of all the people who are actually post-menopausal. You're like, come on, you don't have a hot flash
0: anymore. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you have to find the humor in it. You have oh, to. Oh, absolutely. You have to find humor in anything in life. I, I think if we find the humor in something, then you... Really, in, in a way, you find the realization of that subject, whatever it is, and it's it, it's a burden that's lifted from you. Yeah, it doesn't absolutely, have to I, be a burden, does it?
1: No, and and like I said, I don't I don't ever want someone to feel like I'm belittling their feelings. Everyone is entitled to their own perspectives. I only say that there are ways to help you. You don't have to feel this way if you don't want to. Um, that you can, there are options out there to show the benefits of this middle age because it's it's middle. It's not the end. It's the middle, and it's just find the joy of one thing in your day. You know, even if it's your children or if it's your dog or anything. You know, there is yeah, something, whatever it is. There's something in your life to be grateful for today, and if you can. Keep making that choice. It will change the way you think about your life. It may be a slow process, but
0: it will change it. And it's one day at a time. Yes, very much so. Because we don't know, really, what the future holds. So we have to embrace this moment now and build on this moment and make the best that we can, build on now. Now, how do you keep so passionate about all of this, Colleen. I mean, how do you do it? What gives you that effervescence for life? I think part of my journey
1: is just to feel passionate about something. When I feel passionate and when I feel like I'm making a difference in one person, it fills me up. It fills my tank up, so to speak. So I'm get I just I really feel like if I can change one person with a, an episode or feel less alone or all those. It just fills me up with joy and that joy makes me want to do another one. Um, And I've been so blessed to meet so many amazing women because it's just about community, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's about your family. It's about your community. What can you do to help other people? Um, And I just find such fulfillment in that, that I, you know, I've screwed up a lot, and I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but I hope that I learn from them and I don't get stuck in them,
0: you know. That, that's what's important, is that we let the mistakes go, and look at it as a learning curve, as a process of life, that we've just got to brush our knees, get up again, and keep moving,
1: Right, exactly. And, and our children are watching. They may be young adults, but they're watching us and how I want my daughters to, I don't want them to be going through menopause and having no clue. I've spoken to so many women who have never even heard the term perimenopause.
0: That's not- it's, yeah, it's not, it's not a common thing. So explain. Yeah. There are three stages. Yes, there's three stages. There's perimenopause,
1: mm. menopause, and postmenopause. Now most women think I'm going through menopause. In actuality, menopause is one day in your life. That's the anniversary of 12 months of no cycles. Everything that happens leading up to that and it could be 10 years plus is perimenopause. And everything that happens after that day is postmenopause and there are symptoms. For postmenopause as well. They're not this, you know, necessarily the same or as significant, but you can attribute some of them to postmenopause. So most women are stuck in the perimenopause stage. And you know, there are a lucky few percentage that have no symptoms. The vast majority have a range of symptoms. And one of the things that I find fascinating is that the mental aspects, the anxiety and depression, are not attributed to. Perimenopause, it's it's you know the the typical hot flashes, insomnia, night sweats, you know, weight gain. And when does that happen? That happens before the menopause. All of that happens before, and it's different for every woman. But a spike in anxiety is a very common um, symptom of perimenopause, and most women don't know that. You know, at the time that I start, I started perimenopause about forty five. I'm now fifty two and still in it. I didn't realize because at the time of 45, my father was in hospice, my daughter was ill with an eating disorder. I did not factor an exacerbation of my anxiety for perimenopause. I didn't think of the hot flat. I wasn't I didn't have time to think about that stuff. But as I look back in retrospect, it was worse because I was having all these perimenopausal symptoms. And the weight gain, it's a hard, that's a hard thing for a lot of women to accept. We call it the midlife middle. Um but your hormones that. change. It's, you, you start gaining weight in your stomach. And it's you know it, it's a response to your hormone levels changing, loss of muscle mass. Um, there's several factors in it. But for some reason, women start to gain weight in their stomachs. And it's very hard for a lot of women to accept that because their normal diet, their normal exercise program may not be working as well anymore. So you have to change it up a little bit. Um So many things. I mean, there's like, and there's a great uh, group called Know Your Menopause campaign out of England with Claire Shepherd, And it was three women who met on Twitter who decided that they wanted in every GP's office, as well as public forums, a poster that said, do you have these symptoms? You could be, this is menopause. And it's actually perimenopause, but know your menopause. You know, to be able to sit in a doctor's office and look at that poster and say, wait a second, that's me. They want to.
0: Yeah, it's education because I know a lot of people also that are uneducated in that. And that's purely, I think, not because they can't research it. You know, obviously, you can research anything if you put your mind to it. But I think if it was made available like that, more people would feel more comfortable about approaching that subject. Absolutely. It's taking the stigma away. Yes, from talking about you know mm.
1: menstrual cycles and perimenopause, it's just for some reason it's still taboo. For, and and a lot of women project that taboo because, like you said, it makes them feel like they're aging. Okay, now all of a sudden I'm going to be older, and I'm not. I'm going to lose estrogen and progesterone, and what am I going to do?
0: Yeah, and I think that would take the stigma because the more that people become aware of it it is easier somehow you know like a lot of campaigns we've had so many campaigns where even awareness raising awareness of something whether that be of mental illness or whatever it be you again don't feel alone you feel that you can actually speak up and it's then that you can transition into this Phase of being where you can ask for help and become aware of what is happening with the body as opposed to being fearful,
1: absolutely, and and suffering in silence. But yeah, and sometimes it's just hearing someone say, Let's talk about this. Um, it's okay to feel this way. I spoke to someone who was telling me the story of a woman who quit her job while she was going through menopause because it was embarrassing because she was having such heavy cycles. And you know, if yes. someone had just said to her, you're going to be okay, this is okay. Like if she was able to go to her HR and talk about it, but it's still so taboo. So if someone yeah. can listen to one of our episodes and say, oh, that's me. And, and here's what I can do. Like, I'm not alone in this. I'm not going through this journey alone because we really aren't. Um,
0: that's a great thing. I and think that's it's our fabulous. Purpose. Yeah, I think it's fabulous. I think it's wonderful, Colleen, what you're offering because it is really such a needed thing out there and you are giving people hope and information and peace of mind. So just tell um, the listeners where they can find about you, about your podcast, Where where can they have a look? Well, we have weekly episodes every Wednesday
1: and they are on all podcast platforms. So it's hot flashes and cool topics. Um, I've noticed a lot of women in our age range are afraid of podcasts or can't find them. And they're really everywhere. So we actually did a video on our YouTube channel, how to find a podcast in midlife because we felt like there were so many women that were That's afraid a of. That's good idea. Yes. It, it, so um, we have a website, which is just hot flashes, cooltopics.com. And on there, we have all the episodes. We have midlife articles. We're constantly, we probably have over 50 to 75 articles on anything from finances to menopause to anxiety to skincare to hair care, all those different things that um, women in midlife, we had an expert for makeup over 50 coming on. And so we like to cover everything. And so that's our website. We're on all forms of social media. If you look up hot flashes and cool topics, um, Twitter is cool flashes. We have a blog on the website where I talk about freedom in your 50s. Um, And we have a YouTube channel where we were doing roundtables with women. We did a topic on empty nesting and we did a topic on making friends over 50, but then coronavirus hit and we haven't been able to do that. So we've been actually doing live streams and they're all up on our YouTube channel. Talking and that's, to the
0: same, that's the same name, is it? Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. We're actually doing
1: one, which by the time this airs, will be on our YouTube. We're doing one tomorrow with two therapists to talk about self-confidence, self-care and self-awareness in midlife for
0: women. So Wonderful, wonderful. I love what you're doing. I think it's absolutely amazing. And it is so, so needed, Colleen. It's so needed. Now, as we end the show... In a couple of lines, you know, what advice would you give to people out there that has served you well in your life? Something, you know, inspirational that you can share with the world?
1: You know, when I've been in hard times and people have just said, give yourself a little grace, it's okay. Mm. Don't be so hard on yourself. I would say that to people, give yourself a little grace. And a favorite term of my mom's is always, not my circus, not my monkey, which means yes. you don't have to, <laughs> to take responsibility. <laughs> <what I'm> <laughs> so I, it resonates more as I get older, but just, I want people to not feel alone. You're not alone in life. Like, please always know that there's someone out there that is trying to talk to you or get to you. Or now with the you know availability of social media, it's there's so many options. So- that's, I think, what I would just say is to give yourself a little grace and uh, pick and choose your battles.
0: <laughs> yes, this is, this is very true. This is very true. Thank you so much, Colleen, for coming on. It's really been insightful and an education. And, you know, it, as I said, it's so needed in these times, especially when people are feeling alone. But, you know, stay in touch. And I wish you all the very best.
1: Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to have this conversation. What a joy. So I thank you for it. And thank you for all that you're doing.
0: Oh, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. And thank you so much. It's really an honor for you to come on the show today. And I was, as you know, I told you, I was so looking forward to it. I, I just knew that it was going to be wonderful and informative. And it's very light and hopeful. So thank you so much, Colleen, for being on. Thank you okay then take care you too have a good day bye 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 Bye. Colleen Rosenbloom. what a fascinating subject and um what a really really lovely thing to do to help so many women out there who are struggling with that phase of their life so it's good to know that there are places and people who are really a source and a fountain of knowledge. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you in the next episode. Take care and look after yourselves. Lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work take a look at her website www.miminovic.co.uk